Hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So today's episode is one of the most requested guests, I think particularly after getting Jordan Slide on. So if you haven't listened to the episode with Jordan Slide, please do go over and listen to that episode. So today's episode is with Susan Niebergal. So Susan is an online coach and author of an amazing book called Fit at Any Age, It's Never Too Late. She's the co-coach in the inner circle alongside Jordan Side. So she has got coached by Jordan herself. So she had an epiphany moment when she was getting coached by Jordan. And she talks about that and talks about her difficulty with yo-yo dieting. She talks about how controlling what you can. She talks about the four truths about getting older. The biggest mistake she sees and biggest mistake she's made when people are along on a nutrition and training journey. Why rest days are like so, so underrated. Six reasons why you aren't actually losing weight. Not listening to the voices in your head when the scales actually goes up. Why perfection is a killer to progress. The whole sentence of I'm not losing weight fast enough. Dealing with that question internally. And also the, the statement of dieting isn't about scarcity. So we talk about a hell of a lot of information. And this is one of those no-nonsense episodes which I'm delighted. So I highly re- I recommend going to buy the book, author of uh, the, the Fit at Any Age. It's never too late. I highly encourage you guys to go and get that, particularly for for women. It's an amazing book. And Susan, so no-nonsense, brilliant. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode with, with Susan Niebergal. Susan, how are we? Good. How are you? Great to see you. I know. It's amazing. We were talking off air about the different situations, uh, about the, the, the disparity between America and uh, Ireland and stuff. But I think we're going to talk about, and we'll start off with yourself and how you kind of got into this field. I know I gave you a, a quick intro at the beginning of the episode. Uh, how did you kind of get into this field? Because your name is was coming through DMs and I know some of them reached out to you. and mm-hmm. it, It's incredible. Uh, so how did you get, kind of get into this field? You know, I was, a, I've always liked to exercise. Um, I like to be active. I always was active and worked with, I worked with a bunch of different trainers over the decades, actually. It's been um, um, in a gym. Do, I started with exercise classes, just like most people, um, because the community aspect of that at the, the gym that I was going to at that time was great, got me going back. So I, I was in like, we called them, I think, and this was back in the, 80s or early 90s aerobics classes. Sometimes they were step classes. Sometimes they were just jumping and doing a lot of heart rate stuff and then weight, weights at the end. You know, I put that in quotes at the end, that kind of thing with a lot of energy, you know, a lot of hooping and hollering and that kind of thing got people coming back. And I was one of those people. And then I could see like the weight area from that part of the gym, saw people working there, saw people working with trainers and dabbled my my toes in there a little bit on my own didn't know what the hell i was doing so i decided to hire a trainer and that's kind of where that piece started um way back and that was in the 90s at some point where i hired my first trainer and um really started to love lifting loved having the appointment loved going there loved learning um, and started it started there and i was working with trainers on and off for years it was just something that i loved i think I became a gym rat of sorts, right? I, I, I never, I never had the entire package put together for me though, meaning nutrition piece and lifting the lifting piece I was starting to get, but no one through the decades really ever talked about the nutrition part, except one trainer I had did talk about it a little bit as I think back, but most of them did not. And so well, while I loved lifting, I loved going to the gym. I really wasn't making the progress that I wanted to make because I didn't have that nutrition piece. I didn't know, 
You know, I, I was I was still doing the old school. Okay, eat as little as humanly possible. Ooh, I can lose weight. You know, but not thinking. Okay, not tracking my calories, not tracking anything, not even thinking about calories, just not eating. And um, weight coming off, but weight never staying off. So I was the consummate yo-yo dieter. You know, I would restrict, lose weight, gain it all back, and then some, and restrict. And so I kind of went through this whole thing. And I did a stint with Jenny Craig. I don't know if you guys have heard of Jenny Craig over there. Yeah. The the meal plan kind of diet place. And uh, I, I hooked up with them when I was first starting back in the 90s, they were pretty new back then, right? They were kind of a competitor to Weight Watchers back in the day. Um, And I lost 50 pounds with them. I mean, no lie, it came off. I ate what they told me to eat and nothing else. And I lost weight. And that's really no surprise. But I never learned anything (laughs) from them. Like, I didn't know how to survive. I didn't know how many calories I was eating. I do know that I was hungry. And, and they would, your dinner would be on this little tray like this big. And I, I think about that now and think, yeah, that's probably for the total for the day calorie wise, I was probably around thousand calories, maybe a little bit more, you know, which is crazy, right? You can, you can handle that for a day or two or something like that, but then, you know, you, you will never survive that at all. Um, and I didn't know. So hence the yo-yo dieting from that point on over decades, lose and gain increments of that 50. I don't, I don't think I ever gained all the 50 back, but I certainly lost parts of it, gained some, you know, it was just back and forth the whole time. It was really, really frustrating, but I still love to lift through all of that. Um, and if you fast forward to, um, gosh, it's been 12 years now. I got certified as a trainer about 12, 13 years ago. Uh, I was working in a school. I was a school counselor and loved talking and helping people. That's part of just my upbringing really. And um, I thought, wow, this would be a great marriage. My psychology kind of background along with my passion of lifting and helping people get stronger. So I got certified and I worked part-time at a gym after school hours, a couple of days a week to get my experience started and that kind of thing. And, you know, fast forward from there even, and I was still struggling though. I was still struggling with my own weight loss at that point. Um, Fast forward to, gosh, I'm going to be 61 here in about three or four days. So it was, yeah, it's been uh, six, almost seven years since I hired Jordan to be my one-on-one coach. Um, And uh, I thought I wanted a power lift, right? I thought that's what I wanted to do. Um, And so I hired him and I didn't hire him for anything nutrition wise because I just thought I had it all figured out at that point, which I didn't. but I paid attention to everything he put out and everything he wrote and all of his videos and all that. And I put into practice everything. I became an inner circle member and I put into practice nutrition guidelines that were in the inner circle along with his programming for me. And my life changed, just dramatically changed. When you have it all together, you have the person that, that believes in you and, and just puts it in a way that it clicks for you. The, the click finally happened. So I, I don't know, I didn't own a scale, so I don't know exactly how much weight I lost uh, in that period of time, but I would say probably 20 some pounds is my guess. Um, you know, close size went down dramatically, muscle started coming on. I mean, everything changed. My perspective, my, how I coach people changed, um, my life changed. It was much better. I was no longer living in this restrict overeat, restrict, overeat mindset that I'd been in for decades and decades and decades. And, and so now 
my passion and my message is to everyone that it's never too late to change anything around because I was in my 50s when the change happened for me. And a lot of people are like, gosh, how did you do? You know, it, you, that's old and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's halfway through your life, right? So, but it doesn't mean that it's not the principles of fat loss don't apply to, to us. It's this, it applies to me just like it applies to you. It applies to everybody. Is it challenging for people in my age bracket? Absolutely. There are a lot of things going on with us. Um, us middle-aged kind of old, old crew um, that make it maybe more challenging, but it doesn't make it impossible. It just means that you have to be more aware and you have to roll up your sleeves and be willing to dive in and do it. But you can change. Change is on the other side, just waiting for anybody, right? And that's my message. That's why I wrote the book. That's why I'm, I'm out there trying to spread that message to everybody. You talk about the book, the the fit at any age, it's never too late. And I think that's a great segue into kind of one of the questions was the four truths about getting older, about the stronger you get now, the easier it will be when you get older. And I think a lot of people, I think, unfortunately, a lot of girls do think this and women think this is that when they're going to lift weights, this whole bulky thing, they're going to start to look like The Rock or yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't think that's going to happen uh, unless something else comes into play. But can you talk about how important it is to, to do something now when you can, you're a little bit more mobile and stuff. So it, it makes your life a little bit easier. Oh yeah. You know, the, the benefits of strength training are numerous, right? Not just from the obvious, I'm getting stronger and I can lift heavier weight, but from the point of increasing your muscle mass, because starting at age 30, we lose muscle mass every decade and we don't know it even if we're, we're pretty active or whatever, Mother Nature is just doing her thing, right? But the good news is about that is that we can change that. We can actually reverse that. And it's so important because as you get older, you want to have a quality of life. You want to have a functional life. And I watched both of my parents go through um, deterioration as they got older. My mom couldn't get up out of a chair hardly. She could hardly turn a doorknob. She had no strength. And I, I watched this and I said, this is no way in hell this is going to be me. I'm going to do everything within my own power to make sure that I keep my strength. I keep building muscles so that I can get up out of a chair. I can get up off the floor. I can lift stuff up off the floor when I have to, even if it's myself in, in, in a situation. And I, so I can live a function. I can continue to lift until I drop dead. Maybe the day I drop dead, I'll be at the gym. I don't know. You know, it, it, that, that I saw that when I lived through that, that really stuck with me. And I think that is one thing when you're younger, it's hard to look that far down the road. When I, when I was a middle school counselor, the middle school kids couldn't see to high school, right? They were in the moment. And I think younger people are more in the moment. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's way down the road. I'll worry about it later. But let me tell you, if you start now knowing what your generation knows that my generation did not you know, knowing what you all know now, you put that into practice when you're my age, holy shit, you guys are going to be kicking ass more than any, anyone I can, I would ever know. I mean, it's for quality of life. Number one, number two, it's for your bone density too. Um, you, you know, people, old people, when they fall, it's usually a broken hip or a knee or whatever. You start strength training. Now you keep that up. It won't mean an automatic break. Anything because you're increasing your bone density as you're lifting heavier weight. So it's another physical benefit for you getting older. But another benefit that people don't talk about as much is the the 
mental aspect of this, the confidence that comes with lifting and lifting heavy weight. And heavy is relative to the person. So I don't want anyone to think that heavy automatically means a barbell and plates and 300 pounds. Yeah. You know, that's not what it means, right? Um, and that's what a lot of people think when they think lifting heavy weights. Heavy is what is heavy for you. And as you get stronger, that number will increase, right? Um, so I, I think what that does for you emotionally is really hard to put into words and give it justice. But those of you that are listening that have done this, that do strength train, that know, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a confidence that comes with lifting heavy weight that you will see transfer over to other aspects of your life. I started a business after I retired from the school system of 33 years. I would never have done that. I would never have had the confidence to even remotely think of that. You know, I thought retirement meant, okay, I'm going to sleep in, drink coffee and watch TV. You know, that was what my retirement was going to be. And it has been nothing like that at all. And I'm glad, I mean, that this is, I'm doing exactly what I want to do, but it's funny how the confidence that came from all of this is helped driving so many other things in my life, not just strength. I love that because I think the, the mental aspect, I think, is the biggest thing for me. The, the aesthetics and stuff is the bonus. But number one is if you're six inches between your two ears, aren't playing ball, nothing's going to play ball and things, things aren't going to work. It also brings confidence to your life in feeling better in clothes if you're going for meetings when you can see people. It'll make you feel more confident if you're trying to look for a partner. You have the sex yeah. of the lights on. It's, it's, there's so many different things, that, that different aspects it can bring in. I love the fact that you said lifting heavy is different for every single person. It's relative yeah. to the actual individual. Um, you talk about kind of like the mistakes that you've made along your own journey. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see that other people make along their own nutrition and training journey that you would like to kind of potentially just shake them or eradicate yeah. out of them? Yeah. Um, gosh, a bunch. One thing that's coming up a lot right now um, is unrealistic expectations that people have. Like they assume that if they're perfect with their nutrition for two days, the scale should be going down. That that's how it works. Like it's yeah. relative like that. I used to think that too. And a lot of these things that we think, people that are in my age bracket, we've been thinking this stuff for decades, right? This is what we got brought up with. We got brought up with, if the scale goes up, that's bad. If it goes down, it's good. That was it. There was no talk of why this happens. It was just up is bad, down is good. And when, you're, when, you're in, when that's in your belief system for 40 years, it doesn't go away. It probably will never truly go away, but how we react to it is what's going to change, right? And and I think people have this expectation that first, if the scale goes up, I'm, I gain fat. Well, that's impossible. You don't gain fat overnight. This is an overtime kind of thing. Yet when the scale goes down, we're like, oh, I lost fat. You know, I mean, we think it's inter it's immediate on one end, but not on the other. You know, I, it, it's kind of it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to gain fat and to lose fat and, and to put yourself on a timeline and say, I should be losing weight faster than this. What is wrong with me? That's a huge issue. I was that person. Um, the, the words should be need to be eliminated from anybody's vocabulary at this point, because that is completely limiting everything. And it's giving you some unrealistic expectations that you're trying to uphold. And then you're just going to spin your wheels. I should be losing weight fast, faster. So then what do you do? You reduce your calories because you're thinking I'm doing something wrong. 
when actually you're probably doing something very right. You're just not patient enough. You, you, you assume that three days of perfect nutrition means the scale should be going down very steadily. And that's not how scale fluctuations work. As you know, they're all over the place. It's like a heart rate monitor, up and yeah. down, up and down. But when you look at it over time, you see the downward trend over time. Just in between, it looks crazy, right? Um, so I think unrealistic expectations and using the words should be. And then related to that, using the word only. Like, I only lost two pounds this month. What do you mean only? Yeah. You lost two pounds this month. For some reason, that is, is viewed as not good as good enough as right you know again i'm coming up short i only lost two pounds i must have done something wrong and i think that's another thing that we got brought up with is that two pounds a week was the gold standard you know that was that was the number that seemed to be sustainable and easygoing when really two pounds a week is fast loss fast. and probably not sustainable over the long haul you know so i think that the how we talk to ourselves that I should be and the only is a real issue. And I think it's a real issue with people. They don't even realize that they're doing it. But what you say to yourself matters in this because you're setting yourself up for these expectations. Like there's some sort of race here. Like I have to get to the finish line. I have to, I have to. And there's some sort of sense of urgency when the reality is this is, this goes on forever, right? There's no, finish line. Like you're not going to get a prize when you cross it, right? When you, when you reach a goal weight, you're kind of like, okay, good, cool. I'm here. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, sometimes you don't even look like what you think you're going to look like. Yeah. And you're almost a little disappointed. You're like, what, this is it. And then another goal, you know? So those are kind of all, all related. The end date stuff, no end dates, no should be's, no only's. Those are really keeping people spinning their wheels, I think. I love the way you brought up the I'll be happy when thing that kind of comes in with the I'll be happy when yeah. I lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, whatever it may be. Then they get to the goal is like, yeah, is this it? And then it's like, no, I actually don't want this goal. Because when people start to say, go on a weight loss journey, they think, well, I want to lose weight is the goal. But that's not a big enough goal. There has to be other things. There has to be other elements brought into it, like an emotional attachment to something. Is it to get into your wedding dress? Is it to get into a suit? Is it to feel more confident? Is it for the kids? And bring yeah. in some emotional attachment to it. Because ultimately, if you're afraid to get into photos with your kids or afraid to get into photos, the kids aren't going to have any memories of you when they grow older. So it's kind of like there's the why for a lot of my clients. I think when they start to dig into that why, it, the third why, when you talk about the five whys, the third why is when people get a little very, very uncomfortable because they haven't done that soul searching. You talk about kind of not listening to the voices when the scales goes up. How have you dealt with that from your own point of view? Because you talk about you were very honest there at the beginning in relation to the yo-yo dieting. How did you, what kind of barriers did you put in place for yourself or what kind of like positive affirmations did you bring in? Literally, I... Um... I would literally tell myself to shut the hell up. Uh, I, and, and there's no flashy little tip or trick here. Um, literally, I would have a conversation with myself. And I tell people to do this all the time. Because what's happening here is we are allowing emotional voices in our head to rule the roost. The emotions are now dictating what we do, how we do it. You know, the I'm not good enough. So I did this, blah, blah. All the emotional voices are now in your head and they're taking over. 
But we know, most of people know you didn't gain fat overnight. Most people know that. You might feel like it because you have more food in your belly because you had a big dinner or something. But most people logically know you didn't gain fat overnight. But they don't let those logic voices take over. They let them just sit back and get beaten up by all the emotional ones. So what I tell people is you get those logical voices in your head and tell the emotional voices to shut the hell up and go away. No, I didn't gain fat overnight. No, I didn't do anything wrong. And have those conversations with yourself. I mean, it sounds a little weird, but let me tell you, it works over time. It's not going to be like a, a switch that you flip from on to off. But when you practice that, it gets easier and easier. And And here's the thing, those emotional voices pop up for me all the time still, but the difference now for me is that I now have the logic voices going in there and kicking their ass. And then, you know, I might feel that emotion ever so briefly, which is okay because we're human, right? We all feel things. I'm not telling anyone not to feel because you will feel, but how you react to it is where things go wrong. And that's where that powerful conversation, the logic voices are in there, but you've got to bring them out. And, and that's not easy to do. It's easy to sit back and let the emotional ones just take over and, you know, woe is me and I, you know, nothing works for me and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, which is all not true. It's just those emotional voices are trying to tell you it is. It's time to get the logic voices to take over. And, and like I said, not easy, not easy to do, but it's a powerful conversation to have with yourself without a doubt. You talk about kind of like, I, I should be down more i i'm only down at a, that x amount of weight that two pounds or whatever that number is for someone like the sentence is i'm not losing weight fast enough coming how do, how do you deal with that from questions from clients and and people you talk to on dms all the time yeah i mean i ask them as fast enough for what <laughs> you know and message. it's usually a little bit of silence like yeah what what fast enough for what and and uh, some people might come back with well i want to really look really hot in this dress for this wedding or, or you know whatever and i'm like okay you know here's the thing you're going to look beautiful and hot in this dress regardless of whether you lose the 10 pounds or what or whatever it is but do you want to look back at pictures of yourself knowing what you had to do to quickly lose those 10 pounds just so you can look good in this dress uh, years down the road or do you want to look good in this dress because you're a beautiful person? You've been on this healthy journey, improving your health, losing some weight slowly, gradually, and being able to enjoy your day. You know, I mean, I, I think people have to, they, they get caught up in that, in the physical stuff, obviously. I mean, because we all, I mean, we all want to look good. I don't think anybody out there probably doesn't want to look good, right? Um, but I think how we get there and the fact that, you will be able to sustain it after something like that or just whatever for, for, from that point on, you will be able to sustain it. That's the important part. Like you can find a way to live now. You can live your life without having to worry about every morsel of food that goes into your mouth, right? Because you know, if you go get off track one night, so what? You just go back and get back on track. That's it. There's not a lot of wallowing in it. There's not a lot of, oh shit, I screwed up. What am I going to do now? You know, it's none of that. It's just, okay, I had a great evening out. I'm stuffed. I kind of feel a little bloated. Maybe I could even feel fat, whatever, but I know I'm good. I'm just going to hop back on track and everything's going to sort itself out. That's the goal, right? For all of us. And, and that, that is just, 
that's not easy. And I want to make sure everyone knows that, especially if you're coming from a background of really beating yourself up for stuff. It's not easy, but you have a choice. And this is really important. We know it's not easy, but here's your choice. You can say it's not easy and then just not do it because it's not easy, right? Or you can say it's not easy, roll up your sleeves and do it anyway. And I think that's a significant choice to make. I love that kind of listening to the logic voice. And I know with, with negative thoughts, they're a lot easier. They attach more to us. They stick to us more. They're like Velcro. And then mm-hmm. yeah. the positive ones slide off. They're like Teflon. And we don't really attach to those. We're like, well, we berate ourselves because we don't look a certain way. A certain way to who or to what? Because what society? Because this person with the big glutes and the big quads? But that's not a fair comparison. You talk about kind of like the one meal and then kind of pressing reset. And why, and you also, you put up an amazing post on perfection, why perfection is the killer to progress for it doesn't matter what anyone's goal is, but why do you think people try to latch onto perfect so quickly and why perfection is the actual killer for anyone's progress? I think um, because they truly believe that they have to be perfect. I did. I thought I had to be perfect to, to make anything work, right? That I didn't have any wiggle room whatsoever. I think because they just don't know. It's lack of education, to be honest with you, with how things actually work. Because I think back with me, I was that person, and I wrote about this in the book, that would not have a cupcake, you know, because I thought that was going to ruin everything. It was going to take me out of my little perfect food bubble. And God forbid I get out of that food bubble to enjoy myself, to celebrate somebody's birthday with having a cupcake, because that cupcake was a quote, bad food. And that was, it was not in my food bubble. And that was going to completely derail everything. It's illogical thinking, right? And, you know, I say this out loud, I'm thinking what an idiot I was back then, you know, but here's the thing. And this is another complication of that. Back then people praised me for that. They fed me so much praise because I was so quote, disciplined. I was turning down that cupcake. I was disciplined. Oh man, I wish I was like you. I wish I could do that. That's what I heard all the time. So that fueled the fire even more. And and I look back on that and I think, yeah, what they didn't realize is how I was sitting there thinking, oh, I wish I was like you. I mean, I wish I could have that cupcake freely and enjoy it because I really loved, I look that chocolate cupcake right there. That has my name on it. Like I really wanted a chocolate cupcake, right? They look delicious. I wanted to have one, but I wouldn't allow myself to have one. And so two different ways to look at this and neither, neither side knew the other thought that of the other, but I, I was just constantly praised for that. And that just kept that erroneous thinking going that, and that was a big complication for me. You know, I, I couldn't, I could not now do it, right? Because all these people are saying how wonderful I am because I, I could turn down a cupcake or a piece of cake or whatever it was. I couldn't have it now, right? That would be humiliating, right? They're telling me all these great things and I turn around and have it. So perfection, that was my my version of perfection is living in this little food bubble. But what you find out very quickly, and that was the example, that real life doesn't care about perfection. <laughs> you know, life is not perfect. So you can't keep up perfection unless you isolate yourself even from your family for that month, for that matter, and keep your little food bubble intact. That's probably the only way to do it. And then how long is that going to last? Right. I've, it's just, it's the killer of your progress. It's the killer of your mental progress and, and your mental state. Um, 
and it's completely unnecessary. That's the irony. It's completely unnecessary. We don't have to be perfect. And and here's something that comes up, and, and Shane, you probably hear this too. People that say, I'm only eating 11, 1200 calories and I can't lose weight. Yeah. And and I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, and and I need to preface this by saying this would be a person who that is not an appropriate number of calories for them, right? There are people on this earth that that is appropriate, but for most people, it is not. And someone who is saying that it's usually not appropriate for them, meaning it's way too low. But what they're doing is they're they're nailing that for about a day, maybe two days, and it's pretty miserable. Then by day three, they're snacking a little bit more. They're reaching for these little snacks and in their head, they're thinking, you know, it's not that much more, really. It's not that big of a deal. And then it's they're, they're eating snacky stuff. So now they're still not satisfied, right? So they continue to get hungry. Um, and then the weekend comes and it's like, okay, we're out running errands. We're getting lunch out. We're getting maybe even dinner out, whatever. I'm going to pick a healthy meal, quote, healthy meal. And they probably got out of dinner with a thousand calorie meal or something, you know I mean? And then they're back to the 1100 or 1200 on Monday. And all they remember in their mind is how miserable it is at 1100 and 1200. And that's, they're thinking, I, I'm only eating this amount. I'm only eating 1200 calories and I'm not losing weight. When the reality is, no, 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 no. You're eating actually a lot more than that. But you only remember how miserable you are at 1200. I mean, who wouldn't be? It, it's, it's that kind of, that's why people think they have to be perfect. That's why a lot of people do is because they're not, they overly restrict. They can't be perfect. Um, and they feel like nothing works for that as a result. You know, it comes back to that consistency thing, you know? It's the C word that a lot of people don't like along with the other one, but I'm not going to say the other one. But I think what you said about perfect, it's kind of, I can kind of compare it to my hairline. It doesn't really exist. <laughs> uh, so it's... <laughs> It's kind of one of those things that like a lot of people think that it's going to be like every day is going to be perfect. And then you kind of, something comes along, one of the kids gets sick, or you have to pick them up from school. It's like, well, then what's the, what's plan B? It's like, all you can do is your best. Sometimes yeah. the best is more than what you've probably been doing in the first place. Yeah. And if you're, if you're, your definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and again, over and over again, if you're going back to the slimming clubs, if you're going back to 1200 calorie diets and you're failing, you're being miserable on them. What advice would you give to your friend if they're in the same position? We forget yeah. that a lot of the time. I was that person, like doing the same thing yeah. over and over, and it wasn't working. <laughs> I think we all have. We've I all was done too the stupid f- shit. Yeah, right. And I was too afraid to change. If the fear of yeah. letting go of that was massive, and that that played out for me big time with my workouts. Like when I first signed on with Jordan, he scaled my workouts back to four days a week. I had been working out six days, maybe seven, sometimes two a days. And not just a cardio and a, and a lifting, two lifting sessions in a day. I was working over training, working so hard, be out of fear because I was afraid if I didn't, I was not going to make any progress. I was going to lose progress. I was going to get fat. All that fear was driving me overworking in the gym. My, I was exhausted. My muscles were exhausted. I wasn't sleeping well. And the irony was I was making zero progress, but I couldn't see that. I was too afraid. You know, so I had to trust him. We had we had just the first time. The first month was interesting because rest days were like, "What am I supposed to do?" I didn't know what to do. I had to do something. But once I I saw how rest helped my body so much, my workouts got so much better, and I made so much more progress. 
I'm a true believer in rest days now, but it, it's, it, it's, it's the same, you know, I have to be perfect with these workouts. I have to do, you know, more is better. I have to just, it's this over, and it, it's, it stems from a perfection mentality. All of that does. Why do you think rest days are so underrated? You know, I, I don't know. I think, I don't know why the people that I talk to, I know why, because they're afraid. It was just like me. They're totally afraid to take a rest day. They feel guilty. They feel like they should be doing something because they, and maybe this is the big overarching problem. Tell me if you agree. I feel like people look at exercise as a way to burn calories. That's the problem. Yeah. I would say it's as a punishment for what they've done elsewhere. Yeah, it's a or to make room for something, you know, it, yeah, like I'm going to go cupcake. out tonight. Yeah, yeah, that cupcake, right? They people look at exercise as only a way to burn calories, like fat loss exercise, you know. Instead of looking at exercise as a way to build strength, build muscle, increase bone density, improve your health, improve your joints, improve your heart. That's why we exercise. And when you start looking at exercise that way, I think that relationship changed for, changes for the positive immediately. I 100%. I've been there. I've done the insanity workouts with Sean and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I've done the Joe Wicks and I wrecked my kneecaps and my knees don't like me now. But it's you have to go through that bullshit in order to get out the other side, I think. But I think too many people are afraid to go from the one extreme, come to the middle ground and stay in the middle ground because the middle ground is where the, per- the perfection is lost. The consistency is there and the extreme is gone. And I think a lot of people do get caught in that half. It's tribal mentality. Fitness is very tribal. CrossFit, bodybuilding, all this kind of stuff. Dieting is tribal. Keto, oh, don't be a keto person. But like that's like it's so, so tribal. That's a hugely important thing. And then with dieting, you've spoken about kind of dieting isn't necessarily about kind of scarcity. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit more? Because I think when people go into a diet, they're like, I have to take everything out yeah you eat lettuce right that's what everyone yeah, thinks so kind of yeah. <laughs> but you know i was that person too <laughs> i was that person i didn't understand the concept of eating more to lose weight i didn't understand that it, intuitively to me it did not make sense how is that even possible right yeah. and and this is how this is how it works really you're you're not eating more calories you're eating, you're finding foods that are lower in calorie that you can eat more of. So the quantity of what you're eating is, is gotten up. Um, it's going to keep you feeling fuller longer. Um, therefore, you're eating more food for the same amount of calories. So for instance, you could go through McDonald's drive-thru and get one of their meals and it's going to be like 1600 calories or whatever, you know, basically an allotment for a day for, for a person, right? Um, or... And, and by the way, after you eat it, you'll be hungry a couple hours later, probably. Or you could take that 1600 calories and you could build yourself quite a day of food between lean protein sources, between tons and tons of vegetables, which, you know, so many vegetables are so low in calorie. Now that we're hitting summer, you know, strawberries are coming out, watermelons coming out. All of those are such high volume, low calorie foods. You will, you will create so much more food to eat. When you go down that road, as opposed to just going through that drive-through, getting the the Mick whatever and fries and a, and a soda or something, you know, and then be hungry two and a half hours later, you will you can create a day's worth of food 
that is going to keep you feeling full. It's going to be nutrient dense. You can even throw in that stupid cupcake that I avoided for so long, you know what I mean? And still have wiggle room in within 1600. You know, I'm just using that number as an example, but that's the point of thinking, how much can I eat while I'm in a deficit? And that, and that's the thinking people automatically reduce their calories very, very quickly. And it's like, the purpose here is not to eat lettuce and survive. The purpose is to eat as much as you can while still maintaining a deficit. So with that logic in your head, now the job is what foods can I find that I can eat and include in my diet along the way that are more high volume, low calorie foods, you know, um, that's why salads are such a good alternative because the greens and salads are, you know, they're so low in calories. Most vegetables are super low in calories. You can eat a lot there and you're going to feel full and satisfied from that. You know, you can put your lean protein in there, chop up veggies, put a little fruit, whatever it is you want to do. And you've created a meal that's significant, um, full of nutrients, um, you can put some fun stuff in there, whatever you want, and it's going to keep you feel, feeling full for a long period of time. So that that's kind of what I mean by um, think abundance, not, not scarcity. About only eating lettuce and air. Yeah, I think yeah. All, all of us have been there uh, yeah. at some at some yeah. point. Um, one of the things you talk about is kind of controlling what you can. And I think a lot of people lose this; they get blurred very easy for a lot of people is if you stop focusing on so much on the outcome and start putting all that energy and focus into how you can actually improve what you're actually doing, the outcomes will follow. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. I've been talking about this a lot recently yeah, uh, in about three, three DMS this, just this morning about this very thing. People are so uber focused on that little square thing that we step on that gives us a number. I mean, we're so obsessed with it. Now I am, I am, a person that likes the data that that's, that the scale will give us. I, I am, I'm a proponent of weighing every day for most people. There are people out there that maybe this is not a great situation for them right now. Um, but for most people, I think weighing every day is a great way to face, number one, your fear, because most people fear the scale. They don't want to see it go up or give them that bad number. Um, and it's a great way to learn what how the scale fluctuates day to day and what food does to your own body personally, like how your body reacts to certain foods. This has been a fascinating education for me. I'm learning. I'm still learning a lot about that. There are some things I know when I eat the next day, the scale is going to be up at least one or two pounds. Almost. I can bank my life on it. Um, so from that perspective, I think the scale is super helpful, but we can get so focused on what it says that we lose, we start losing sight of what, what are we actually doing to get to our goal? If our goal is weight loss, what areas could I be improving? You know, that gets washed out because all we're focused on that number is, should be saying this, right? It's saying this, but I want it to say this and it's only doing this. Those words are back again. And I think when you start focusing on more of the word, I hate using the word process, but we could use that focusing on the process, what you're doing, ways that you can improve your consistency with what you're doing. When you start fixing that, the outcome follows. It always does, right? Always. 
And most of the time, the issue is people aren't consistent as to what they think they are. People think, yeah, I'm really consistent with, with what I'm doing. But when you have them track their consistency, and Jordan and I do this in the inner circle with our consistency calendar, when you track that, people thought they were hitting 80%, 85%. They're at 60 65%. And that's a D in school. <laughs> you know, that's that's barely above passing if you're in school. So if you want to take it to that kind of, if you want to think of it that way, you have a lot of room for improvement, you know, a lot. And people won't see that until they actually start tracking their consistency. So that's kind of what that's about. Focus more on what you're doing and how you can get better. And ask yourself the question, what is one area with my nutrition or training, whatever it is that I can improve and focus on that, you know, and watch what happens when you start improving your consistency. I mean, the outcomes follow every single time. So a lot of people say, well, I am consistent. We'll track it, track it for a month. And out of 30 days in that month, how many days did you hit your calorie targets and your protein targets? How many days did you actually do that? Not come close but how many days did you actually hit it? And that tells a story. And a, a lot, lot of people don't want to see that. I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh shit, I've just realized. And I feel them on this. I want to make sure I make that really clear. There's a fear, like if, in, if they're my client or your client, they don't want to disappoint us, right? Yeah. I, 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 and, and I understand that. And I want to give them a big hug. It's not about judgment. It's not about, it's about cracking this case. It's playing a detective. And it's being open and honest with yourself. That's where it has to start. And, you know, it, I have a lot of people say, well, well, what if somebody doesn't count, you know, like the two lattes they had during the day? I'm like, yeah, if they're not honest enough to count it, they're not hurting me. They're hurting themselves and they're hurting their own progress they could be making if they're constantly having those every day. And, and that could be a reason why they're not hitting their calories or whatever, you know, it, Honesty, it's got to come from within and it's got to start with you. Um, and a lot of times I get pushback, you know, people, I've done everything. I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. And the reality is, no, you haven't done all of those things. And we could, you know, go down and nitpick which ones, but I often give people this challenge um, when they push back like this. And that is to take 30 days of 100% adherence. There's no wiggle room at all for 30 days. That means you better plan your weekends too, okay? Now the weekends are not running errands and doing whatever. It's now you plan exactly what you're going to eat every weekend, every day for 30 days. That's it. It's unrealistic to do that for any length of time, really. 30 days would be it. Um, 100% adherence with your calories, with your protein, with your workouts. Let's see where you are at the end of 30 days with that. And a lot of times their adherence has gone up, right? Because they're so focused. On stuff, and they're like, "Oh my God, I never knew. I never realized, you know." And some, so sometimes that's what it takes. It doesn't have to be a month, but I, I like to go for a month because, you know, crazy things happen with the scale and all this stuff. Just write it out and see what happens. You talk about being being data driven and with the scales and stuff, and a lot of people would attach emotion to whatever number they would see, whether up yeah. or down. How do you work with your clients on taking that emotion away from the actual data that's on that piece of plastic that's sitting on that floor? I, I go back to what I said earlier, those logical voices again, because it's the emotional voices that are, are, are ruling the roost with that number, right? It's, you know, I, I had, 
a great example. Not even a month ago, I had like a spike in weight where my weight was going up like every day for like, I don't know, five days. I haven't changed how I eat. I've been in maintenance for a long time and I don't track calories at all anymore because I've done it for so long, right? Um, but every day, and every day I stepped on the scale and I got that punch in the gut. Every single day, I still got that familiar punch in the gut. Every day, right before I hopped on that scale during that period, I was praying. I was hoping that I would see some change. I didn't, but I felt that gut. I felt that slam in my gut. But then my logical voice said, Susan, you know better. You know what's going on. You're in control. You haven't eaten 10,000 calories every single day for like the past week. You're doing fine. You know it's going to sort itself out. You're feeling fat. You're feeling bloated, blah, blah, blah. It's okay. And sure enough, you know, a couple of days later, things sort itself out. But I have to have that conversation with myself still, you know? And so I guess my point is, it's okay to feel that. It's okay to feel that you're a human being. Of course, you're not going to like the scale going up. Who on this planet likes to see that? <laughs> I mean, there's nobody, right? We're all human. So no one wants to see that. But the difference is, is what you do with that. Are you going to like wallow in it and make you those, let, let those emotional voices tell you what a bad person you are now, how you're unsuccessful, how you can't do anything right? Or are you going to get those logical voices to beat the crap out of them and tell them, no, I'm doing fine. I'm sticking with what I'm doing. I'm in my calorie deficit. I know these are fluctuations. I'm learning. I'm getting used to what's happening and I'm going to keep going. That's, I, that's it. I think what you just said there is hitting on the head is you have a choice in how you react to things. You can either let it take over your life or as you can, can take control of your life is really yeah. soon take the control of the destiny, what you want to do and kind of go down that way. And the last question is what, is the six reasons why you aren't losing weight because I think there's so many of them but there's the top six um for for a lot of people in particular the six the top six reasons why we aren't losing weight or someone may not be losing weight yeah um well first and obvious is you're obviously not in a calorie deficit um now is to find out what you know kind of subsets from that that that's the big one for, one of the biggies is the the mindless eating the, the licks tastes and bites I think that is probably if not the biggest one of the biggest reasons, things that we all do, we, we stand up, uh, if we're in the kitchen, we're sitting at the table working like me, and, and we get up and we go over to the snack drawer and we open it. And it's like, what am I doing? I'm not hungry, right? Uh, we do that all the time without thinking. So licks, tastes, and bites, another one related to that, taking food off your kid's plate. Oh my God, did I do that when my kid was little? You know, you know, you you go out for dinner and kids' meals always has fries, right? Always picking fries off at his plate. <laughs> always. You know, you're making dinner and you're, you're, you're taking bites and tastes of whatever that you're making. In isolation, none of that is a big deal. But when it happens over and over and over again, it becomes a big deal. So those licks, tastes, bites, those extra, you know, whatever's is, is an issue. Not weighing your food can be a very big issue. And I think people, they, they look at this piece of chicken and they go, oh, okay, th this looks, it kind of fits, it kind of fits in my hand. It's, it's like four ounces. And if you were to put it on the food scale, it's actually seven, you know, and the protein component of that is a bonus. You're going to get a lot more protein, but the cow, I mean, it's more calories too, but you're just not thinking you're tracking this four ounce piece of chicken when it's really 
seven, right? So you're under reporting your protein that you're getting and, and you're definitely under reporting the, um, the calories that you're taking in. So weighing food, if you're, if you're new to this game, that's a great place to learn portion sizes and thing and things like that. Um, I, I think that those two are probably the two biggest that, uh, that I see, um, as far as um, reason why you're not losing weight and lack of consistency, um, you know, with anything, you think you're being 85% consistent, but the reality is you're at 65 um, and tracking your consistency becomes just as important as tracking calories for, for a lot of people. Um, because as humans, we just suck at that. We, we totally overestimate things like that, how consistent we are. And we, we suck at portion sizes too. You know, um, I mean, we think it's four ounces, it's really six or whatever. So I, I think um, everything else can fall under that. You know, those are the biggest, I think, um, with why you're, you're, you're not losing weight. Um, and, and I think improving consistency with all of this will improve it all. Yeah. I mean, it, it will just improve it all. And that word is becoming used a lot consistency. I feel like I say it 5,000 million times a day, um, but it is that important word. And I don't want it to be, I don't want it to lessen its value because it's said a lot because it is that important and it is a basic thing. And it's the basic thing that people overlook. They go to other things instead of the basics. You know, I post about the basics, I think yesterday um, and how the basics are what works instead of looking for flashy new workouts, flashy new diets, you know, it's just the basics. It's boring. It doesn't sell. It's not flashy. There's no shiny penny. You know, there's no promises. It's just the hard work with the basics, you know, it kind of comes back to that. I think what you said there about kind of like the basics don't really sell. Cause I think, I think I make a running joke of like, if I said I'm going to change your habits or whatever, maybe your behavior is on an ad no one will buy it but if i say get yeah. six back in two weeks or lose 20 20 kg in two days someone will buy that that's stupid shite um yeah. and i think the consistent thing thing is like if you think of someone building a house the way i compare it is like building a house brick by brick by brick by brick builds the house but a lot of people will just after the two first two couple of layers are built, built by the house with the bricks they'll throw in the towel and stop building and then yeah. the house doesn't get built. It's the exact same thing with weight loss. It's the exact same yeah. thing with any goal you want to go to. Um, Susan, I cannot thank you enough for giving up so much of your time. Where can people find out about your amazing book, Fit at Any Age, It's Never Too Late? And where can people find out about the inner circle and coaching with yourself? Sure. Um, so the book is on Amazon. And I, I've, learned, uh, I've learned through this process that all countries have their own, like Amazon dot something. We don't, um, boy. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're .com. I don't know what it is over we there. Use, uh, we can, if you want to get it through the UK, you'll probably have to pay because of Brexit. It will be a VAT on it. But if you want to go through .de or .f or you won't have to pay the VAT. That I would not have even known that. So go there, <laughs> go there <laughs> um, for the book for sure. Um, and if you ever have any questions about the book, feel free to DM me on Instagram or something. I try to get back to all of them or email me. Um, I have a website, Susan Niebergall Fitness, so all my contact is there. But Instagram is is where I'm at a lot, Susan Niebergall Fitness. I coach the Inner Circle with Jordan Syatt. Um, And if you want to learn more about the Inner Circle, you can go to sfinnercircle.com. 
Jordan, I would love to have you there. We're a group model of coaching. So we supply workouts, nutrition guidelines, lots of video courses, and a supportive community to help you. Um, yeah. And, and I'm, you know, on Facebook, I'm on all the usual uh, platforms. You, I have a big YouTube channel right now, um, Susan Ebergolf Fitness. So you can find me with that name just about anywhere. Amazing. I can't thank you enough for your, your time and the, the knowledge that you brought in today and the knowledge that you keep putting out every single day, uh, particularly for, for women and women's health. So I cannot thank you enough for coming on, Susan. Well, thank you for having me. This was amazing.